Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Lucy getting to talk to you. I'm so torn between needing to tell you all the feelings that I had plus wanting to use my opportunity to ask you. But I just wanted to say that one of my feelings was like grief in the most realistic way I think I've ever seen. I think one of the reasons that some of that stuff felt quite real was my dad had a pulmonary embolism and he was very ill. Thankfully, he survived it. But I thought quite hard about what I would say to him and some of that has ended up in it and it's really upsetting because I can't say that to my dad now <laughs> like I put it in succession <laughs> which is very much the like thing of being a writer where you sort of go like yeah. oh because if I if I do say that to my dad now he's gonna be like I recognize him from somewhere <laughs> so that's that was just quite avoided like, my impending I, death yeah yeah well for an episode of succession like that we need to pull a big rabbit out of the hat and our guest is succession writer and executive producer Lucy Preble. Okay, breathe. I feel like I didn't breathe for 40 minutes. You know when the Queen died? Who? And those of us who aren't monarchists just felt a little bit detached from their fellow citizens. Yes. Imagine what it is like right now to be one of those people who don't watch Succession. Number one, we don't care about you as humans. I'm sure that you're nice people. But right, are people starting to go, okay, fuck, like some seminal piece of TV has just occurred and now I got to like dig in and get on board. I would absolutely queue up for 14, 15 hours to see Logan's body lying in state. You know how much I like this show, but I would not do that. I won't do anything that involves queuing. It's why I don't eat at places that don't take reservations. (laughs) Fuck you and your lack of a system. (laughs) It is so intense and I know I'm possibly getting carried away but I I think it was the single best depiction of the day someone dies that I've ever seen on screen yeah I agree with that and not to turn my own loss into fodder for a podcast but it's something that I've experienced on a number of occasions and most recently with my mum but it's not something you see in a drama where it's it's just a normal day And then the phone rings and your world changes on a dime. It's always something that they build up to. It's never truly that out of the blue call like it is in real life. And and the chaos and the confusion of that and the kind of, what the fuck? I don't think I've ever seen it done like that before. Yeah, I think that this episode is going to really trigger a lot of people because most people will have lost someone quickly or their spouse or someone close to them will have. And really being forced to relive that day when your parent or whomever it is suddenly died. It was a very, very, very singular emotional experience. It says so much about this show because something we've talked about is... It's very clever in it how it discards plot devices and conventions that even great drama incorporates in favour of the truth. And what I mean by that is that a death scene is so often a dramatic high and you make a meal of it and you put weight on the the last words or the last meeting um, or the slipping away and then the fade to black. 
And that's not what life always or even usually gives us. Oh, and this was just um, worthy of the show. The moment for me, I mean, there were just so many, but but maybe if I have to pick one, it's the paramedics loading him into the ambulance. Even somebody who has been a massive presence in and done all this damage to both the world and the people around him, even that person... They're zipped into a bag, and some people whose job it is load him into the back of a van, and, and they kind of and they stumble a little bit as they're doing it. It's so interesting, like, whether or not mortality is reassuring to people or not. I always think of that when I walk around a graveyard. It's just this reminder that nothing matters, which is kind of freeing, unless it's depressing to you. I think we're right in thinking that what most people want to talk about is the feeling stirred up. By Logan dying. Well, I think I I wanted to talk about why it was so good and why it was so particular. And I've not dealt with any real intense kind of grief. So if you haven't been through it, you're watching it going, what if I was talking to my dad? What would I tell him? I wouldn't be able to tell my dad what I thought because we can't. No one can. And so you're just left there stammering and worrying that it's stupid and it conveyed that so beautifully. I think we both have a few brain dumps. Yeah. So the episode opens on Roman being appalled by his dad, not just because he's been handed the knife to wield on Jerry, but also because Logan thinks nothing about missing his son's wedding. I mean, they have sent a nice wedding present for Connor, though. Some letters from Napoleon to Josephine. Do you know, I love that. And I say this is sort of a shitty gift giver. Like a certain kind of gift is a way of not having to deliver a load of other shit. And listen, Connor's going to love that gift and it's going to be the right gift for him. But it, it's not enough. And people who give really good gifts sometimes think that the gift is enough and it's not. But maybe I feel that way because I'm an inadequate gift giver myself. Do you know that Napoleon was more into Josephine than she was into him? Oh, my God. This that's a nice, that's a nice extra layer, isn't it? Oh, this show. May I segue into one of my dumps? I thought one of the saddest moments was that sort of quick cut to see that Willa and Connor have gone through with the wedding and you just see that nobody's there. Seven people, I counted them. It is heartbreaking. Or was that a decision that Connor and Willa had made to do it quietly at the end of the day with no one around? I don't know. I didn't think, I didn't start thinking about any of those questions. I just felt so sad. I just sat in the feeling that I believe Jesse and Mark wanted me to feel. Do you think Jerry's date, Martin, had a nice time at the wedding? Martin was hot. Jerry looked very good at the wedding. Jerry, she has never looked sexier. And I do you remember there's the line right before Roman is he sort of gearing up to drop the bomb on her. And she's like, why, why, why aren't you looking at me? Why won't you look at me? And he says, I'll stare at you as long as you want, if that's what you desire. And I rewound. I was like, oh, I meant to see that again. And it wasn't because I was writing it down. It was like, I like got off on it a little bit. I thought it was so sexually hotly acted, which the other stuff between them is never like I've never needed to watch him start yanking on his dick twice. But I liked watching him do that to her was really alluring and sexy. And I I like that they gave her like a hot dude for this one. All right, my next one. I think the thing that I want more than any other thing that a billionaire has, a room that I can go to at any party where I'm like, here's the riffraff, where's my room? (laughs) And I'm not talking about a VIP area because that shit is bullshit. A VIP area is the treehouse from too much birthday. I don't want that. I want like, Where's my room? Like, where's the room that I can be? That looked so peaceful until their dad died. (laughs) You know, Roman leaves Logan that voicemail. Yeah. And he's then later haunted by it. Yeah. That those might be the last words of his that his dad really heard. Well, also, I think it's left open to interpretation whether that's sort of what killed him a little bit. I do not think Logan Roy is a listen to voicemails type of guy. (laughs) <laughs> it's a pain listening to a voicemail if I, if I see a voicemail it's, oh no do I really have to yeah I'm terrible with that I find them exhausting and I think Logan would be the sort who'd just get Kerry to listen to all his voicemails and give him action points or not from each of them don't you think that if he saw it was from Roman that he might 
I just don't see Logan going into a lavatory and listening to his voicemails. No, I don't see that either. All right, my last one. And we'll talk about Tom in more depth later. But that moment when he calls Greg. First of all, with that scene, it's just proving again where the truest intimacy is. That he is in, think about who the person in your life is that you cry with. Of course, that's who Greg would be for Tom. I didn't see anything resembling actual grief from Greg. Just a kind of adrenaline rush from the drama of it all. Yeah, because why would he care? This is uncle. His horrible uncle who finds it visually aggravating. His it's his great uncle. Right, right. I mean, I don't I don't know the names of my great uncles. <laughs> no one cares really. And the ostensible purpose of the call is to get Greg to delete a folder from his desktop. But whatever's in that folder, Tom has titled it logistics. Now, you have a a folder on your desktop with all your passwords for your bank accounts and everything in it. What is the code word that you have given that folder? (laughs) P-words. Because no no hacker, no fraudster, no cyber thief is is ever going to suspect that would be where you keep your passwords. It's too obvious. (laughs) I have nothing to steal. I don't have any assets. Yeah, I know. Um, For an episode as momentous as this one, we have been incredibly lucky with our guest. Or was it luck? Did you, in fact, manifest her? I didn't manifest this. I had to ask directly in a way that was embarrassing. But we're talking to Lucy Preble. Executive producer, writer, playwright. So accomplished. It's so intense. Yeah. We knew there was so much buzz around this episode. And so you had said, I think we need to talk to someone who has seen it. So then things get difficult, right? Because we want to find you guys a really good guest. But you can't just say to someone, hey, can you sit down at 10 a.m. on Monday and watch Succession so you can talk to us? And I thought, maybe this is when I go for Preble. Like a hero. I knew something big was coming, but I didn't think it was this big. I knew it in my body because I almost cried after the Your Pirate speech. And it was it was a speech. It said I'm go- it said I'm dead soon. It said this is it. And I thought Logan's gonna die in this episode. And I knew it was gonna happen early. So that just so we're clear, the subtext here is that whatever Jesse works on next, or whatever Lucy works on next, they need my help with any plotting. <laughs> I've said I don't think I have the work ethic or the talent generally to work with them, but I could be there as like a secretary plumping pillows or getting drinks. Or if they want to be like, Sarah, what do you think? I could be like, you guys, you could do better. Or yes, that's you at the level that you should be at. And I think I've proven that with the fact that I knew Logan was going to die early in episode three. What great misdirection on their part to call the episode Connor's Wedding. It's a brilliant choice, but of course it's what, of course it's called Connor's Wedding. So good. Friday Sprinkles this week will be an outpouring, I'm sure. That's a place to put your feelings. Yeah. Uh, now the email address is? I, mean, I want to say it really solemnly today. Okay. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. I had a peep in there this morning. This email arrived from Lauren. The subject line was fuck with three exclamation marks. (laughs) Here's what she writes in the body of the email. Fuck with five exclamation points. (gasps) And I think that's how we're all feeling. This is the thing is that like I just don't know what to do with this other than to say wow. First question is, was there any sibling that you found it more heartbreaking to watch than the others? Yes, there was, and it was Shiv. Same. I really felt that in a way that was different to Roman or Kendall or Connor, we saw a little girl. That was my problem. I felt like I saw a little girl being upset about her dad. This is embarrassing or cheesy or something, but I think um, it's two things. One is Shiv, the character, playing this little girl. That was moving. And then... I thought Sarah Snook was so amazing. Like, she took it to another level, for lack of better language. And it's just really moving to watch women in a space like Succession be amazing at their jobs because she's not there for any reason other than, like, her excellence. And that's just cool. Like, I've sometimes felt a little bit like, to me, the great trio of that show, in terms of the acting, is Tom, Kendall, Logan. And I just feel like she just lifted up with them when the pressure was on and it was genuinely a privilege to get to watch someone be that good at their job. I thought Tom the character 
handled this stuff very well and very compassionately. I thought it's maybe the only time we've ever seen Tom be good at something that has virtue because we know he's good at um, climbing the greasy pole and we saw last week he's good at delegating, delivering horrible news. But I I thought he was really good on the other end of the phone. Yeah, he he did an amazing job. I don't even mean the actor, of course, but I just mean, right, you were watching that going, he's he's handling it the way you would want someone to. Mm. Who saw that coming? Yeah. Wow. My God, maybe he should become a grief counselor. (laughs) He was so steady with it. Mm. And Schiff would have been the first to hear, but she ignored Tom ringing. So he then tried Roman. Fucky sucky brigade, how can I help you? That's the first thing Roman says when he takes that call. You know, it's the last moment of his old life. So painful. And most of what we see from Roman is a refusal to accept what's happening. Because denial with his dad is his thing. Like there's some darkness in his dad Shiv and Kendall are able to look at that he kind of doesn't or won't. Yes, and there's there's even denial in him trying to get his last words out. He's telling Logan he was a good dad and, and you get the sense that Roman wants to convince himself of that too. Oh yeah. That and the, was, other, the others don't believe that. No, and what was the, you know, it was so interesting. So this isn't exactly what is said with each of them when they're talking to Logan. But Roman is, you're going to be okay because you're a monster and you're going to win. You're a good dad. You're a very good dad. You did a good job. Kendall is, hang in there. It'll be okay. We love you. I love you. Even though you fucking... I don't know, I can't forgive you, but it's okay and I love you. Shiv is, I love you, so don't, please, not now. I love you, you fucking, there's no excuse for it, but I do love you and it's okay. It's okay, daddy. God, it's the only time I've ever heard the word daddy and it not made me want to kill myself. (laughs) Is that because it's got that sort of infantilized, oh, I'm a daddy's girl, boop, boop, be do thing to it? Or just anytime a grown, anyone over the age of three who says daddy and I'm like physically revolted, except today, watching Sarah Snook. And her portrayal of Siobhan Roy. Then I was there for it. And Connor, of course. Oh, man. Well, you know, he never even liked me. I never got the chance to make him proud of me. I can't do this. A significant part of me for the whole of the phone call from the plane was just thinking, what about Connor? Please, somebody go and tell Connor. But I I wonder, do you think there is some freedom in this for him? Because in some ways... To succeed Logan, they all need to step out from under his shadow. And do we see Connor do some version of that very quickly? Yeah, maybe. His grief is certainly very different to the other threes, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And he, even that sad wedding, there's some kind of progression for yeah, Connor yeah. That, that we don't see in the grief of the other three. Well, and there was like, his dad died. But he and Willow were quite honest and direct with each other. And I I think that probably feels so good to him. Like, if you think about that moment when Willow says there is something here about money and safety. Yeah, there is, but I'm happy. And she says, like, I'm not going to leave today. And they have this sort of little laugh about it. If you think about what that laugh looks like, Connor is having some of what he wants, which is a real conversation with a person he's in love with. And what we see from Kendall is this need for control. We see it in series one when Logan is first in hospital and, and Kendall's all about getting the best doctor in New York. He's got yeah. Jess on the phone. He wants just doing facts. And, and, yeah, he wants an airplane, the world's top airplane medicine expert. He's angry at Logan's GP. He wants this conference call starting within one to two minutes. Yeah. It's his entitlement problem. Do you think there is such a thing as an airplane medicine expert? No, but I sort of felt for them in that scene. Like, if there is someone who is able to save someone in the midst of a heart attack, whoever that doctor or nurse is, they're not going to be on an airplane. Someone once told me that on pretty much any commercial flight you've ever taken, there's a dead body somewhere on board. What? What? I think most commonly being transported in the hole because they've died somewhere away from home. But people die on flights as well. I remember once talking to somebody who had to sit next to a corpse for the remainder of a flight. They just put a blanket over them. The cabin crew put a blanket over them. That is absolutely shocking. Yeah. Oh, my God. I suppose they'd probably upgrade you. But if there are no seats in business or first... (laughs) 
or if you are in first, which you do get downgraded, I would rather sit in a first-class seat next to a corpse god. than get put into economy. Yeah, that's true for you. Oh my god, that's horrifying. I don't know that I'd respond to that so well. They definitely give you points for your next journey. Um, one other sort of feeling thing we haven't talked about is um when Roman comes in to the room where Jerry is and says, you know, I'm I'm pretty sad, and he clearly wants to be held by her, and she is not gonna do it. And is that because she's still angry? Mm-hmm. That's how I read it. What about you? Yeah, I, th- I think that's it. Do you think it was at all hypocritical of Jerry to be so angry at Roman? Was Roman being Logan's messenger any worse? than her being a bystander while Logan did what he did to the kids at the end of series three. It wasn't Jerry's fault that she had to side with Logan in that situation, but it was Roman's fault. Like she kept saying, stop with the dick pics. I'm a successful person and he would not listen to her. And then she wound up having to pay the price for that. So, yeah, I, I, I think she, she has a leg to stand on. And we should spend a minute on Kerry's reaction, Chuckles the Clown, that weird rictus grin of hers. You've got that group of Tom, Carl, Frank and Carolina, and you get the sense that they had all had to pander to her as Logan's girlfriend. But immediately that is over and her feelings count for nothing, really. No. Well, but they were a little bit like they didn't just immediately tell her to fuck off. No. Um, But yeah. And, you know, again, there's so many ways to interpret how she responded. Like someone who's just purely in shock and having a weird response. But we also we are supposed to wonder if she's pregnant and if she's suddenly being like, oh, I thought this thing was going to happen for me in 20 years and it's today or right. Just like, wait, suddenly I had all this power and now it's instantly. You know, I I thought it was really well done because it left room for all of those possibilities. There is some comfort knowing that Logan died in close proximity to two of his closest business associates who he regularly threatened, berated, humiliated. Invisible acting from Frank and uh, and Carl. He needed a little stiffener, he Carl, a didn't he? little stiffener. Really probably wanted to snack, but he knew it would be inappropriate. Because I was sat there and like, they really draw out that pause. I was like, he's going to need snacks. <laughs> like that, I think that has happened to me in moments where I've been like, yeah. I, I still need to eat something. Yeah. And we've been through his children, his lover, his business associates. What about his best pal? Colin on the tarmac. Beautiful. Just standing there. He didn't know what to do with himself. Will Colin have a cry about it, do you think? Will Colin be a pallbearer? The show was saying to us, this is your Colin moment, everybody. This is our final goodbye to Colin. I hope Colin goes home, pours himself a stiff drink, and then pops Greg's sex tape into the machine. (laughs) And because neither of us really have a head for these things, we've not really touched on what Logan's death means from a business perspective. We see on Roman's phone just what a dramatic effect it has on the share price. That gap, that's dad. And it seems like the devastation it creates financially is far more pressing than what it does to his family. And I would love someone who knows about this to explain it to us. You know, you watch a show like this and you sort, you just sort of want to be swept away without thinking too much. And I was not, in the midst of all that, able to clock what it meant for all the players. Uh, I don't have a great head for this either, but I think the Roys, via their family holding company are the biggest shareholder in Waystar Royco. Now, they're not the majority shareholder because of when Kendall brought Stewie and then unwittingly Sandy on board, but they are by far the biggest, so they have the most sway and they have rights to appoint a chair and CEO. However, Logan, within that holding company, sees those rights for himself at the end of season three, And that was how he was able to agree the sale to Gojo. And I think Logan's death can only be good news for Matson because it potentially means he can get it for a cheaper price. But maybe that would make the other shareholders less likely to sell. It, It seems like the company being sold is inevitable because the cheaper it gets, the more vulnerable to hostile takeover it would be. But maybe all these players are jostling for pole position because 
either they believe they could turn it around, in Kendall's case, possibly Tom's, or maybe it's because they personally would get a bigger payout in the event of a sale. Um, that, that could be why we see someone like Carl on manoeuvres. This is what I didn't quite understand, that like Tom wanted everyone to know that he'd been with him when he died and the inner circle wants their name included on the stage. So I sort of understand that it's their intention, but what they get as a result of that, I don't understand the business fundamentals or whatever. I don't really know, but it is important that all of them, from the kids to Tom to that old guard of Jerry, Carl and Frank, are are vying to present themselves as closest to Logan because the market and the shareholders will be looking for stability and continuity. Because why? Why is it important to have been close to him in this context? I don't get it. Because Logan Roy was an incredibly valuable asset Mm -hmm. and they are all desperate to prove how much value they added to that asset. Um, Okay, that's useful. But I'd love more insight on that from people who understand business. Maybe there are people listening to this who will be able to explain that to us very clearly. Yeah, please do. I'll be really interested to look at the inbox this week. Our Friday Sprinkles is our own little funeral for Logan. You can just write us, share your grief with us, say goodbye, and we'll just read those out and then it'll be weird. And we remember today that grief is love. Fuck off at firecratchandnormcore.com. Everyone hold in this moment. Do you feel Actually, in my fuck off, I showed that I can be a good actor sometimes. <laughs> and coming up next, we are incredibly lucky Whoa. to get to talk to it this week of all weeks. We're going to see if, if I can make Jeff do most of the heavy lifting because I think I'll be weird with her. It's Lucy Preble. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, I'm talking of dying on a toilet. Do you think the toilet is a good place to go? Yeah, it's funny. We talked a lot about this in the writer's room because one of the writers choked in a restaurant one night and we were talking about the fact that a surprisingly large number of people die from choking because they go to the bathroom, because they're embarrassed. So what happens is you get so filled with shame because you're like, oh, this is so bad. Look at all these people looking at me. I'm making such a scene. But the automatic human reaction is to go to the bathroom where you die because you're choking. And of course, like in, in other countries, not in Britain, people go, I'm joking, I'm joking, like hit me. And, um, and so a surprising number of people die choking because of embarrassment. This is Lucy Preble, by the way. I can't believe it. Bye. We, we've got it in our heads that, that you're an intimidating figure. There's a coolness that we perceive on you. I don't know if it's because of I hate Susie, but you, you feel like the hip cool thing on the succession writing staff. How accurate is that? <laughs> oh, I really want to say that to the other writers. That will really irritate them. I'd love that idea that I'm the hip cool one. No, it's not a particularly hip, cool group, I would say. Like, well, at least that's coolness isn't maybe what we aspire to. But 
I guess thank you. I don't think of myself that way. Thank you. I wanted to know, it's a public holiday. We're talking to you on a Monday. I happen to know if I may share with the people listening that you had a family luncheon earlier today. That's the vibe of the day. How able were you to be present in that versus to what extent have you been sitting on the knowledge of Logan Roy's death? And today is the day where the fucking whole world gets to know and you have to be with your parents how do you balance these two balls my family are are only slightly interested in what's happening in the show they're very proud of me but they haven't caught up with it yet or anything so i was with my parents for lunch and i guess having watched the episode you do have a bit of a sense of oh i should be quite present with my parents because who knows whenever you'll necessarily see them again but yeah sitting on a secret i've been Yeah, we've all been really surprised, actually, how contained it's been. I was talking to um, Jesse Armstrong earlier today, and we were chatting about that and our surprise. And one thing that maybe is worth saying is how amazingly grateful we are, all of us, for um, not just everyone keeping it secret, journalistically, but we get so many background artists, like even in that episode that you'll have just watched, but also in future episodes. And basically, they've all pretty much from what I can see, like really um, kindly and compassionately and and lovingly and professionally, not gone and gone, hey, I could get a load of hits on TikTok or Instagram if I, if I say this today. And so we're really, really super grateful for that. That's just wonderful. Why do you think that is? You know, does it feel like an especially nice place to work or is it they're, they're terrified of Jesse? <laughs> I shouldn't laugh quite that hard. Oh no, no, I'm sure some people are terrified of I've never met them. But uh, for me, it is the best, probably the healthiest and best professional work environment I've ever worked in. And so I think maybe some people are just doing really good work. But also I hope they get treated well. And I hope they they like the show, you know. So I think maybe they maybe they like the fact that they're not spoiling it for other people, maybe. And and given that every bit of that show is scrutinised by idiots like us. The amount of web text I saw, for example, about Adrian Brody's layers in the last (laughs) season, is is that addictive on a day like today? Do you want to see what people are saying? Have you got your head in your phone when you're having lunch with your parents? I did. I tried really hard not to do that. Um, It's funny, isn't it, thinking about the episodes and like, like, yeah, I tried to stay quite present, but I... I did want to know what people thought about it. I was quite keen to find out whether or not people were expecting it. That was a big thing. What is your sense of how surprised people were or weren't? I'm surprised by how surprised some people seemed to be. I mean, all I did was a cursory Twitter scroll. So that's all I know. Uh uh I try not to do the Uh deep dives because they could be quite upsetting and weird. So I was pleased by that. The sense that I get, and tell me what you guys think, is the sense I get is that people thought this would happen, but not now. Yes, exactly that. Is that right? The fact that you've got seven episodes to deal with this vacuum, I don't think anyone was expecting. And that's that's really exciting. Because something I I sometimes think fans get wrong about this show is they they fixate on it being a Game of Thrones and who are they going to see on the Iron Throne at the end of it. And everything up to that point has told us that's that's not the way to be thinking about it. But I know there's a really curious irony at the centre of the fandom of the show, at least as I experience it, which is very shallowly. But I guess if you were going to, like, stan a character in a television show, this seems to be a fairly good way of a show to do that because it's called Succession. You know, I get it. And I find that really interesting because it's almost like it's a sport. Support one of them over and above the others to win as if it's a competitive arena and in a Darwinistic way somebody will, you know, um, profit and that will be great. And I find that curious because, as you say, the show hopefully is kind of trying to explore the... um, sadness and patheticness of that as a life goal and yet it seems to be creating so yeah getting too far into that will depress me but I I was struck by it last week when everyone got very obsessed um I did see a lot of stuff about the bag right the bag at the party in the first episode sorry not last week and um 
And I was really struck by how much we talked in. The, I'm a big bagged girl. Like, I don't go anywhere without a big bag because I don't, you know, I want the night to go wherever it goes. I'm a big bag. How, how, how capacious is your bag? Are we talking a rucksack? Oh, I mean, I've got, yeah, I'll go rucksack, I'll go tote. I'll go, I'll go anything oh. large that has enough in it for the night to go wherever the night goes. And I'm in the room and, and we're, we're talking about that and we're just, and we're, we're scathingly talking about how ridiculous it is that these people can go around with these tiny bags because they don't carry anything, they don't need to carry anything. And of course, all the press about the show is like, haha, they really like gave it to that fashion company that made that bag. Oh, don't succession think this girl is like a ridiculous idiot <laughs> we're turning up with this big bag and i'm like wait because tom wanscan doesn't like a bag doesn't mean succession <laughs> thinks the bag is bad like it might even be the opposite of that. do you know what i mean and, I and with this death s- straight away i feel like it's unlike any death i've seen on tv and as somebody who's who's somewhat recently bereaved it's because it feels so accurate in the depiction of the chaos of that day and the scramble to say things that can, can never be said. And I, I wondered if when it got to the point when you were talking, OK, Logan, Logan's going to die at this point. And then when you started getting into the detail of that, was the starting point, look, this is what films, TV shows get wrong about death. How how do we uh, how do we do the opposite of that? Yeah, and also I'm pretty sorry that you lost someone recently, Jeff. That's rough. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it was a bit like that. We started from a point of what what feels like the easiest and slightly overdone. Like what what should we sort of not do because we've seen it a lot? And we were thinking a lot about deathbed scenes where your head automatically goes on screen. And we talked a lot about that. And I remember in the room, Jesse directly asked the question, how do people die now? Because often there's something about deathbed scenes that feel a bit old-fashioned or timeless, maybe, might be another way of putting it. People have, you know, died for a long time, forever, maybe, might be a way of putting it. But I told a story about somebody I know who... um, And this is fine, fine with me telling this story. Someone I know, and there was a COVID death in her family, and it was a very, very elderly relative. And... um, this person was really near the end of their life at home and it was COVID. So everybody was called on phones and an ambulance was called, but the ambulance said, listen, from what you're saying, it sounds like it's going to happen there, you know, and it was sort of understood. And I know this is, you know, this is heavy stuff. But I'm going to bring it around, I promise you. So it was going to happen at home and um, they called all the family members on as many phones as they had and were like, this is what we think is happening. And they didn't have enough phones and they, they contacted one family member through the Alexa in the room. And so they were all sort of just saying things. They were saying, oh, I love you. Da, 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 da. And, um, and, the, and the relative had a little kid with them who was at home with the Alexa. And there was some sounds going on of somebody who was having some trouble. And the kid said, what's that noise? And, the, and, and her mum didn't, didn't want to upset her. So I said, oh, it's just the Alexa. And the kid said, oh, it sounds like a duck. And then the Alexa heard that and oh. went, Here's the sound of a duck. <laughs> Here's the sound of a duck. Over and over. So you right. had the sound of all these family members on the phone saying what they wanted to say to this person. This person going through their, you know, ending. <laughs> Just like nodding people going out without not a bang, not a whimper, but Alexa making the sound of a duck underneath there she's just like, this is how people die now with the with Alexa making the sound of a duck. And once we were sort of talking about that kind of story, it became very clear that maybe this should be something more technological or more um, now in that way. And 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 so we talked about that. Jesse was really keen that the siblings all be together somewhere because at the start I was talking about them all being separated because that was an experience that I was you know talking about in that example. But he quite wisely was like, I think if they're all together, it's dramatically much more potent. Then we knew we wanted to have a Connor's wedding episode. But there was talk about like whether that was right or wrong. We we felt like there's a Connor's wedding episode you could write that's just a lovely, fun episode where nothing happens. Did we want to give this ground over to that? And I think we decided that, frankly, what better stroke worse um, example of who Connor Roy is than this thing exploding right in the middle of the happiest day of his life. 
So that's what we decided to do. And, and, and it was technological that way. We also just, for what it's worth, had talked a lot about how the demise should happen. And we really wanted it to be real because very wealthy people tend to last quite a long time. If you think about the Sumner Redstones of the world, these very wealthy CEOs, it tends to be a very long gradual demise because they can afford such good healthcare. So we also wanted there to be a really um, realistic and truthful situation where healthcare wasn't as readily available as it might have been. So it was a combination of those two things, the plane and the wedding. Yeah, that came together. I just wanted to say that one of my feelings was, and I think so many people, whether they knew it or not, had such a singular emotional response to this hour of television because I felt that everyone was just sat alone with their own big fat triggers because it was grief in the most realistic way I think I've ever seen. And I've spent the day being like, what else was there? And maybe when Omar dies in The Wire, but you don't see, you see the casualness of the death, but not the casualness of the um, side effects in a way. Sorry to get heavy, but I'll bring it back. I was like, Lucy, we're here we don't for have all to. the emotions today because <laughs> right, we can go you don't there. have to okay. dial it back. We okay. can go there. The way that it brought up feelings for anyone who is into this show was so above and beyond what I even thought the show was capable of. Thank you. I think one of the reasons that some of that stuff felt quite real was we did we did talk about what we would say to our or have said to relatives of ours. And my dad had a pulmonary embolism and he was very ill. Thankfully, he survived it. But I thought quite hard about what I would say to him. And some of that has ended up in it. And it's really upsetting on two levels because it's very real. But it's also like, I can't say that to my dad now. I put it in succession. (laughs) (laughs) Which is very much the like thing of being a writer, where you sort of go like, yeah. "Oh, because if I if I do say that to my dad now, he's going to be like, I recognize him from somewhere." <laughs> so, so that's that I thought you that was just quite exploited my impending I, death. Yeah, yeah, and and you have nothing to say um, to me now that doesn't feel like a secret, <laughs> like. So that's, that's like what writing is. That's the best oh, example man. of just the exploitation and emotional um, Did, terror. On that, though, is, isn't kind of the point that there's nothing you can say. There isn't a pithy monologue like somebody's exit interview on Big Brother that you can <laughs> give to a dying parent. This is the thing. And if Did you, you do have that lined up, oh, that's a, I, I, I worry about that person too. That even though you've it. just told us that person is you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that is absolutely me. I don't worry about me for that. When you guys were going through that in a writer's room situation, are people crying? No. We're no. getting choked. It doesn't feel like that. It's not like you're really sort of putting yourself in the position to be like, fuck me, I would tell him this and people are getting choked up. It doesn't have that vibe. Not, I, I, no, I mean, I think people would be very held and supported if that did happen. But I think there's something about the personalities in the like we're all quite emotion not emotionally defended. That sounds really bad. I mean like we're more likely to make a joke out of it in that moment, even though actually saying it is quite cathartic at the same time. Um so probably wouldn't cry, but I think other people would appreciate that what you were saying was very vulnerable. It's so interesting because the show is so emotionally astute. What I project onto anyone in that room is that you've all been in so much therapy because you're so (laughs) aware of what you feel. The the fluidity of the understanding of behavior feels so... Like, it's just, I imagine all of you crying very openly. And now I realize how off base that is of an assumption. But that was like this thing in my, I was like, well, of course, like someone might tear up because they're sharing this dark truth about their family to get all of us a good scene between Caroline and Shiv. Yeah. I have done a lot of therapy, but I'm still really emotionally repressed when it comes out on the page. So we win, though. You know, it means I can afford the therapy. So. Oh Worth it for the art. Do you ever find when you watch an episode like this week's, is your emotional reaction to it? And I suppose it's hard if you've been on set and you've been looking through the rushes and you've you've been through the beats of the edit. But 
how, how often do the performances draw a reaction out of you that's that's different to what you expected sarah snape does that for me um very often i did rewatch three just to check that something hadn't massively changed in the last edit, edit that I watched because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to mention something we didn't end up putting in it or anything to you guys. And I, even having seen it, you know, a dozen times nearly, I welled up again when she learns the information, when she comes in. I can't explain why. I, I mm. oh, It's something just so sincere in that, isn't there? She's, I, I just, I think this season's hers. I just absolutely love her in it. It's fantastic. When we were talking earlier about it, Jeff was saying, like, which which of the three siblings did you have the strongest reaction to? And her performance is just uh, one of the most emotional things I think I've ever seen on a screen. It was like being at a hospital and watching someone find out that their parent had died. It was not like watching television. It was very, it was very bizarre. Right. Do you worry about how an event like this, does it risk affecting the tone of the show? So I really like Barry. I don't know if you've watched that, the uh, the Bill Hader show, which started off as quite a dark comedy, but it feels a little bit like they've painted themselves into a corner where comedy can't exist to, to oh, any really? real extent in that show anymore. And I wondered if that's something you have to think carefully about when you put something as big as uh, Logan's death into succession. Yeah, no, 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 definitely. I... I'm often pushing to make a joke I sometimes make when I'm noting is I start off by going, you know how I hate fun? The the joke I sort of make is I'm always trying to make them have less fun because occasionally I, I, I'm very drawn to pain, maybe more than I should be. And, and, and sometimes with Jesse, like, we'll joke with each other and, Jess- and Jesse will kind of be like, I think this could get emotionally pornographic. And I'll be like, well, I think actually it's just emotion, you know. And and, and there's a conversation <laughs> to be had around like, it is, I think you have to be respectful to the dramatic event happening before you then get to be funny. But if the yes. situation's right, if the structure's right, the the sweet spot is always it's horrible and it's funny because that's often the way life is. As long as it's truthful yeah. to that, then the sweet spot is always both things at once. And and I've often been wrong. Like there are some scenes in past episodes where I've been a bit like, I don't think we can get away with this. And it's like my favourite thing in the show. Do you remember that scene where Tom comes in in last season after he's not gone to prison, he tells Greg and he loses his absolute shit. It's unbelievable, right? Yes. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And at the time, I was a little bit like, can we get away with this? And it's the it's one of my absolute favourite things we've ever done. But if you've got Matthew McFadden doing it, it's never untrue. You know, and it's the same with obviously all of the cast. But he's a great example of, you don't ever have to worry. It's, it's never going to be cheap. He only does expensive. You know what I mean? Lucy, do you think, and I just want you to be brutally honest with me, do you think that there's any chance that Matthew McFadden would find me attractive? <laughs> yeah. I absolutely, you're very fast, yeah? you're very smart, you're very funny. I think that's all he cares about. And also you're very pretty. Also, yeah, I mean, I'm that. sort but of, I'm, the question was, the question was to model or not to model. And I thought, <laughs> my brain is so big. Why deprive? I, you know, I feel like just I, we 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 eroticize all of the actors, but it feels like they're her family. So we I, we can't do that to her. We can't talk about them in that way in front of Miss Preble. I would be unprofessional, but yeah, it would be unprofessional. So I'm not asking you something. I'm 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 asking you if he'd be into me. You've said obviously he would, which is what we expected. And I'm just letting you know. <laughs> a friend of mine, a friend of mine said that she saw him walking around London hand in hand with his wife. His name Keely. Pause. Anyway, she said it was like the set, just those two. Mm. Power, he's, power. He's, walking around the streets. He's also of often on the phone to her on set. Like he's very attentive and clearly like a really wonderful husband. Like he's. He's a gentleman actor as well. Oh, like he in a, a scene. Actor. Yeah, like he's got this vibe where sometimes in a scene if something's not quite working, he's the kind of actor who will sense it, notice it, 
and solve it from within. Like, let's say, like, the camera, you know, can't go over there for some boring technical geographical reason. You can feel Rafi just solving the problem of the scene without ever losing any truth. It's like he's a real gentleman actor. Like, he's not going to be like, well, I'm sorry, I can't stand over here because my character wouldn't stand over here. He's, like, making room for the camera, like, and it's all true at the same time. It's just amazing. How's how's your vagina doing over there? She is ready. (laughs) She is wide. She is ready. I'm so truly interested in some of like the way that the writer's room works. And I'm wondering like, did you or did any other writers need to be convinced about Logan dying or Logan dying early? In the season, we did have a conversation about him, about Logan dying later in the season in the writer's room. Um, we felt that there was something so intrinsically, dramatically interesting about what mm-hmm. happens when something like that happens suddenly. One of the people we looked at quite a lot throughout all of the seasons was Robert Maxwell, and he's one of the few examples of quite a sudden death. And as the sort of reaction you have to give to that. Um, as you saw in that episode, the statements and also the power vacuum, like it's very, it's very interesting and you sort of want quite a lot of time to explore that. And also there's sort of a natural rhythm to someone dying late on that begins to feel elegiac in a way that the show, I think, tries not to be. It feels a bit more traditional than maybe the show wants to be. Um, so we did talk about it, but it was rejected fairly quickly. Can I just ask about that tradition thing? Because this this is the thing that blows my mind more than anything else. I think about Succession. It's funnier than pretty much all the comedy I watch on TV. It's it's as gripping as any drama I've ever seen. But it it seems the the core of it is to eschew tradition. So all those devices that you as a dramatist are used to having in your toolbox, like um, Chekhov's gone a certain type of heroic quest or even a death scene it's like you willfully throw those out and set yourself the challenge of what do we do if we don't have any of those things yeah that's really right um jesse is naturally quite perverse in those takes like he will he will almost always start from the place of what's the opposite well, not the opposite. That's that's way too easy. But you know what I mean? Like, his taste is just naturally there. I think for me, having come from a background of more traditional drama and theatre, there's a part of me that has, an, has a mischief towards it and really wants to go. But that's not true. That's not true. In a, in a kind of adolescent way, wanting to tear that up. And hopefully it's not just aggressive. It's more like, what's actually true? What's actually real mm. about this? Not what makes people feel things, you know? A thing I wasn't thinking about when I was watching this third episode today was like, what a feat it was. It felt like you were watching this grief play out in real time. And that to actually make that very compelling. Whilst there being momentum to it. Yeah, whilst maintaining mm. momentum. I mean, I suppose... One one cheat that we learned quite early on was when you have all the kids in the same room, you can get away with a lot. Um, so we're pretty confident that with those actors, when they're all in the same space, things somehow remain compelling for quite a long time. I think it's just dynamics. I think it's just that those actors have really great dynamics. And also you trust the old, the sibling dynamics between them. So... We try and do that as much as possible. It's a bit of a naughty cheat. We can get away with a lot if we can get them all in the same space. But also, actually, funny that you know the first cut of the episode was so much longer. And now, when I watch the recent cut, I sometimes feel a little bit cheated of the silences that used to be. You know, when we first watched a cut, that was nearly two hours, I think. And I really enjoyed the fact that you were spending like like 90 seconds with these people just saying nothing, which is very felt very real to me in, 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 in the experiences that I've had like that. And so now when I watch it, it feels like an absolute roller coaster of momentum because you're just like moving so fast through it. But yeah, I, 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 you know, I think as soon as you move on to the fact that, that somebody has to make a business decision, I think that's the crux of it that's, that's really useful is when somebody really powerful dies, it can't just be about the grief. I was thinking, you were thinking about when the Queen died 
a bunch of people have to make a lot of decisions about what order to do things in. And that's where you go like, oh, that's that's going to save us momentum wise, because very quickly somebody has to say something because the whole of the US markets are depending on whether they do or they don't. Was there any debate as to whether to show Kerry's audition tape or just to have it as something that was talked about? No, there wasn't because this was one where I was trying to be fun police for quite a long time. Like Jesse and Tony and John and everyone had, had a strong and quite right, correct impulse that it would just be an extremely funny situation and <laughs> we should really get into it. And also, she's a really good comic performer and you sort of don't want to waste that stuff. So if it hadn't worked out, if it had seemed a bit broad or a bit wrong, we wouldn't. We would have found a way to not show it. That's the choice we would have made, but it, it was great and she's great. There's, there's sometimes a conversation in the room about things we call ice cream, which are things that feel like this will just be fucking great. It'll just be really fun. And sometimes those scenes don't have the same narrative heft they don't have the same like pulsing momentum forward they're just a thing that is really fun and those those kind of scenes can really easily get cut what would an example of ice cream be well there's tom greg stuff i don't mean to be dismissive about ice cream that's not where i'm coming from jesse is a huge defender of ice cream like he's the one who will be like no i know that people will like this and, and he's always right um, but there, you know, there's a few like Tom Gregg moments. I would say that the anchor stuff with Kerry is, is ice cream. I would say that um, the sex tape thing in episode one, stuff where you just really love it and it's just really nice. Um, but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily going to drive through to an emotional climax sure. in episode ten. It might do. I'm not no spoilers like that. Could, the bad could return. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's sort of difference between those things. And was there a long list of songs that Connor might sing at karaoke? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there was. There was also other songs that other people would sing, but. Um, I, I, again, with my fun police hat on, I was insistent that we could only do karaoke if nobody sang. And I lost that. One person got to sing. But it was um, phenomenal. It was such a great choice. Yeah. <laughs> Although there is no, and you used it so well, there is no silence like the silence in a karaoke booth when a song isn't playing. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're looking forward to the funeral next week, um, oh. which I know uh, it's it's a co-write between you and Jesse. Yeah, and it's not quite a funeral either, but yeah. Okay. Tell me nothing. Just, just saying. Okay. Just saying. It's it's okay. yeah. Well, um, that's that's a little bit of a mystery, but um, it, it's a good. Hopefully, it'll be a good one. I'm hoping we get to see Connor do another eulogy. That was quite the moment. <laughs> Here's something really sweet. Is Here's a, here's a thing that happened is in a later episode, can I say this? Yeah. Alan Ruck was on set doing a scene and he put his hands in his pockets and he took something out and it was the speech, the cards that he used for Molester's um, eulogy because the costume had brought exactly the same suit for him to wear. Great detail. Because they had kept it. And they cleaned it, but they hadn't cleaned the pockets out. So he came up after the scene. He was like, oh, my God, this is still in this suit, which shows how much attention the costume people pay. That was amazing. Well, listen, Lucy, thank you for your work. We're among the legions of people who are really, really grateful that you've been working as hard as you have. Well, thank you. Sarah, I'm really sorry. That, that wasn't compliment. that actually wasn't a look no, at her squirming. Thank squirming. you. Leaving on no, a squirm. I'm feeling it. I'm really trying not to. It's, I'm really, no, it's, and it's I'm really too grateful. much for me. But that's how I feel. Like you've worked so Coochie. hard, and we've reaped the rewards. I know. Now I feel like a cunt. <laughs> Do you think she liked me? I do think she did. I don't think I don't think like she like needs me as her friend, but I do feel that she was nice to us and so generous with her time. In fact, what you just heard there is a fraction of the conversation we had with her, and we're thinking, what should we do with the rest of it? And we've decided to put the rest of it out as a bonus episode later this week. Yes, because we need we just like need to focus on this episode, but then we need to ask her like all this other shit just about the show generally, and then. We want to know a little bit about her. She's Lucy Preble. She's hot fucking property. So if you if that feels appealing to you, and it should if you're not an idiot, if you are a serious figure, then you'll care about that. And that will be out later this week. Now, this episode was was very much its own thing. But 
Was it possible, I'm wondering, for you to do your usual thing of compiling your favorite quotes and turns of phrase? Thank you for asking. It was. And I'm prepared to read them for you now. Logan Roy, rest in power. Can I say that? When I go, I do not want to be resting in power. I want to rest in peace. Yeah. Logan Roy, rest in peace. Or Bernard Helbig, don't because I like you even though you're a beast. <laughs> Visually aggravating. Greglets. Don't turn me into a word, Tom. I'm a guy. Hail Loganus Maximus, slayer of Vikings. Inflatable dicky dick. Something disgusting about dicks or maybe vaginas. I danced us through a fucking thunderstorm without getting us wet. The cake. It's inadequate. I don't want to see the internal qualities. He likes to whip it out and see if anyone notices. Fucky sucky brigade. How can I help you? Oh, he's heavily fucking delayed. Judging by your grin, she's looking like she caught a foul ball at Yankee Stadium. Chuckles the clown? I think not. What's at the bottom of your stocking? An old man who fucking hated you? It's a stock price rodeo and a slit throat for the big mouth. We can do Reagans with tweaks. You want to choreograph some steps with my dead father, Tom? Is that what you'd like? Yeah, that's the question. Are you a cunt? So the next thing you'll get from us is bonus Lucy Preble. Then Friday sprinkles. We are here as a repository for your feelings. Our email address, in case you need it, fuck off at firecrutchandnormcore.com. And then next week, of course, Lucy hinted there that it's, it's not exactly or not just a funeral. I know. I'm not asking any questions. Is it Reagan's with tweaks? <laughs> Will Kendall perform a somber funereal version of L to the OG? What about Logan's corpse? Is there a chance that he will explode like Henry VIII did? <laughs> I think I'll be buried or cremated, though. Many more people in the UK are cremated. At the wake, will Carl be able to control himself around the buffet? Will he be eating during a ceremony? Will he need a little stiffener? And might this be an opportunity for Greg to invite the girl with the capacious handbag for a second date at another family function? I think he's moved on from capacious handbag and he's into that lady who was on that boat. Not just him. Oh my God, you're gross. I think I know how I should take us out. I'll leave it to you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I'll quit while I'm ahead. I don't think you were ahead. Oh. Clean out the stalls. Strategic refocus. A bit more fucking aggressive. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.